the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 442 for Sunday, March 24th, 2013. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in questions, you send in tips, and today... Yes, folks, get out your wallets. We apologize. We know these shows get a little bit expensive, but the cool stuff found queue is totally packed up and it's time to flush it out. And so that's what we're doing here on this Sunday morning <laughs> here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Ah, oh, good imagery there. Thanks. <laughs> Notice how I highlighted 42 because 42 is a very important number. It is a very important number for many of us. Thank it, you, Douglas it, Adams. It is. Yeah, he, he, he left us too early. And, and, and so do you want to introduce yourself, my friend, or is that up to me today? Who, me? Oh, yes, here in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. That's what I heard, Fairfield, Connecticut. All right. Uh, so as promised, yes, this is a Cool Stuff Found show. We'll probably jump to some questions and things like that because, you know, that's just how we are. But, uh, but for the most part, we're going to try and get through this, this Cool Stuff Found queue. So we will see how we do. Let's... Um, well, let's let's start with uh, with Howard here, and Howard uh, Howard writes. Let me find this here. I was listening to an episode from last fall and heard you talking about network tools. John mentioned that he had a new Wi-Fi router and needed to remember the MAC addresses of the devices allowed to connect to his network. I know there are quite a few tools out there to help you with this task, but I have found one called Fingbox, F I N G B O X, to be the best. With their iOS app on your iPhone, iPod, or iPad, you can scan your network to the, the or scan the network to which you are connected and gather basic key data about all devices and save the information to the Fingbox website if you like. I use the service to keep track of six networks that I manage and I already have it to be found it to be well implemented and very useful. So uh, so there you go. Yeah, Fingbox. I've never uh, never heard of this one, John. So and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that um, the app itself is free for iOS, uh, but the background service to kind of save everything and all of that is where they where they make their money. So um, it's uh, yeah. So anyway, I think I think I think the apps are called Fing, if I'm not mistaken, and the service is is Fing box because it's storing all the stuff that you have uh yeah yeah so the app is fing but it's cool i mean it it's great to see it scans the network it finds everything on mine all my sonos devices all my yeah, everything so it's good huh. it's good yes i gotta get this yeah i haven't it's i and it's and the user interface is really nice so yeah yeah it's good is good. All right. Um, am I doing the next one? You want to do the next one? I, I don't. I, I can do the uh, next one. You mean Greg? Yeah. I think I'll. I'll uh, I'd like to kind of alternate here just to provide balance in the universe, right? All right. That's fine. <laughs> so Greg says, and this is this is very timely. Um, 
Hi, guys. As you know, Google Reader is going bye-bye. So I was looking for a Google Reader replacement and found Feedly from this article and imported all my Google Reader feeds. I like the interface. It has lots of gestures and has a good-looking UI. You can also save to Pocket or Instapaper. And there's some links here. Now, first, you may be asking yourself, what is Google Reader? I'll take a step back here. What is RSS, right? I think that's the question here. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So RSS is a way to uh, distribute news or information. It's just the standard for doing that. And a program that consumes that uh, or one that used to do that, but Google's shutting it down, is Google Reader. Would consume and you know let you look at RSS feeds and... People that provide stuff via RSS include, uh, I think, even Mac Observer, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have an RSS feed. But for whatever reason, Google is shutting down a free service. Who knows why they're doing it here? So um, Feedly is is one program, which uh, sounds like it works pretty well on uh, iOS. I don't know if they have a uh, Mac version as well. Um, and actually, I have something to add here, Dave, because I think what happened is uh, with, the, with the shutdown here, and I don't think anybody else has it as a tip, if, uh, if so, my apologies. But um, remember, uh, remember there's something called Net Newswire? Yeah, I do. Apparently, it looks like, because I just looked at their page here, apparently it was retired for a while, but it looks like they're, they're uh, uh, reviving it. Well, yeah, the folks at Black Pixel, Daniel Pascoe and, and, and crew there, uh, bought that. And uh, and have been working apparently, according to them, they've been working a lot behind the scenes to kind of revamp it and syncing out with some it, its main, uh, at least for for the last many years, Net New, Newswire's main uh, syncing engine was Google Reader. Obviously, come June 1st, that's got to end or July 1st, I forget whichever one it is. So, but they are they already kind of had it in the roadmap to add syncing of a different kind. So um so I, and that's just been accelerated. So I I, I trust those guys, uh, to to do it right. So yeah, you know what? I mean, this is a great opportunity if you want to learn how to develop uh, Mac software or iOS software. Yep. I mean, conceptually, it's very very easy. RSS. I mean, it's a it's a feed uh, XML like, or I think it is XML uh, yep. in a sense. Well, lots of things could be considered XML like. So writing your own shouldn't be it should be a fun exercise. Well, to you know, it, parse through the, uh, you know, the tags and display and, uh, and you actually and don't even stuff. have to do that. Um, I mean, it, again, you can do anything you want, but, but, uh, we do some RSS parsing, automated RSS parsing internally for a couple of different projects and there's PHP libraries to just do it. I mean, you just, you know, import the library into your PHP code. Actually, I think it's there. And then boom off, you know, you just say, here's the feed and, and give me all the data out of it. And it just, okay, 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 here you go. So it's really handy. And I'm sure that exists for other languages too. All right. Uh, all right. Well, I'll do Jeremy and then you do Kurt and then I'll do the, the one after that. Well, okay. So, uh, so Jeremy writes, I was, uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know if anyone has mentioned this, but I found an awesome app for those who have jailbroken their iDevices called AirFloat. It turns any iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch that is jailbroken into a remote AirPlay receiver. As long as the device is on the same network as your computer, 
or even another device that has the ability to utilize airplay. The device will receive the audio signal. And if you have it docked into a speaker like I do, you can have audio playing all over your house and it's free. So cool little app and yet another uh, vote, I suppose, for uh, for jailbreaking your phone. My, my, my phone is not currently uh, jailbroken, but, uh, but I, ha- it has been in the past. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. So <clears throat> I don't know. I have enough problems without jailbreaking. Yeah. And for the you most know, part, I can do enough with my phone. So I, it, I, a lot of the features that I previously would jailbreak to do, I now kind of have built into the OS. So it's not, it's not quite as important for me. And the whole, you got to wait to upgrade and hold your mouth just right. And all that stuff is, you know, I'm happy not to have to live with. Now, you know, I got an uncool stuff found. Okay. (laughs) I had this happen again and it's a documented, uh, I'll, I'll find the discussion thread on this, but, uh, Unless I babbled about this before, but I had this connect to iTunes to use push notifications. Brouhaha again. Okay. Basically, my phone, any app that I run that uses location services, like find my friends and, and, uh, or maps or or, or any of them really, uh, comes up and it comes up with this message saying connect to iTunes to use push notifications. Five press notifications may include blah, blah. The thing is, this is documented. I found a discussion thread about this where basically what happens is the phone gets into this state where it throws up this dialogue, which I don't think is correct. Something's corrupt somewhere. And the only way to fix it is to do a restore. I've had it happen like twice. But once it gets into this mode, it. It won't get out of it. Huh? And the programs typically crash if you try to run. Or what's another one? Waze. Or I think uh, any GPS app, uh, I try to run it. It would come up with this notification saying you got to connect to iTunes to get this app to use push notifications. Huh? That's weird. I don't know what it's a bug with. Have you yeah. um, have you backed up your phone, wiped it? And- oh yeah. Oh, you have. Oh, I did. Yeah, really? uh, when this started happening again, yeah, I did a backup to the computer and then a restore. And of yeah. course, the restore comes up and says, "Oh, by the way, there's a backup here. You want you want me to pull the data in from that?" So it's basically it, it's wiping something that got corrupted and I've only had it happen a couple of times. Yep. Huh? I don't know. Let me see if I can, uh, well, you read yours and maybe I'll, uh, yeah, I'll paste this link. Cause I think you'd be interested in the, in the issue here because the, the, in the thread, the, the, it was solved, but the solution I think is non-optimal and the doing a store, you know, takes a while. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, and then, of course, uh, just in 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 reference to this last thing from Jeremy with Airfloat, we've got um, many people in the chat room, and I'll say hello to the people in the chat room at macgeekgab.com slash stream. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. Thank you for joining us. Um, saying that Airfoil speakers works to do that. Um, but I didn't, I thought they had to take the AirTune stuff out out of this the airplay stuff out of this and they could you just could stream from your mac but maybe i am mistaken so i will put that out there but like i said i I thought paul had to take that out because it wasn't getting approved into the store so all right um are you uh are you gonna do kurt john or am i gonna do the the next thing here um 
All right. I'll, I'll do, do I have Kurt? No, I yeah, got Kurt. Yeah, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm actually prepared here. Right, yeah, no, I know you are. It's, it's, it's been going good. <laughs> okay, I like this one. Um, from Kurt, this is a fun one. All the Unix command line foo you could ever want. Searchable, tagged, detailed with alternative implementations. And, um, not a big surprise, uh, it's located at www.commandlinefoo.com uh, slash command slash browse. Any, so if uh, you want to learn uh, learn the command line, any highlights that you can you can quickly share just to wet people's whistles here. Uh, let's see what we got here. Find files created today. Oh, that's uh, a handy um, one. Oh, look at that! This is really cool. Listen on an arbitrary port. Uh, oh, doing network diagnostics. Really? Find the five largest files. Ooh, that's a neat one. Add an alert alias, identify active network connections. Ooh, that's a good one. That's using LSOF. Huh. Ah, oh, this Open is really port handy. check. SMTP analysis uh, for those of you uh, who are debugging mail. Yeah. Uh, Nmap. Oh, Nmap is, is just fun anyways. <laughs> Very cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. Oh, wow, wow, wow. So this is this yeah this answers the question of what can I do on the command line yeah and in Careful. a it, in a meta sense it also kind of gives you if you just scroll through these um, not only does it give you an idea as to what you could do but it really shows you kind of the format of how to use command line commands and all their switches and you know piping things to different commands it, there's just you could read through this and even if you're not using this stuff immediately you're definitely going to be better at at doing things in the terminal just for reading this page for a couple of minutes, because you, you just start to get a feel for what these things look like when they're, when the commands are issued correctly. And I think in and of that in and of itself is a valuable thing. So very cool. Wow. Thanks, Kurt. That's good stuff. All right. Well, it's, it's funny. I put this one in before I realized what sponsors we had uh, for the show this week. So this this was in the list as a cool stuff found, but it but it definitely um, relates to uh, our first sponsor for the week. And that is connected data with Transporter. And the reason I had put it in cool stuff found is because the Transporter iOS app is out, which for me was a really, really big thing because John and I use um, our transporters, which are personal cloud devices, right? They, again, this is a, a sponsorship spot. So I can explain more about what these things are. Um, the transporter is a device that sits on your network, plugs into your router or connects Wi-Fi if you like. And, uh, and is the storage place for your personal cloud. So like with Dropbox, your storage place would be somewhere. I don't know who, where, who knows where somewhere on Dropbox's servers with, potentially other people, you know, being able to poke at it. This is stored at your house. Nobody else can poke at it. You get to choose who gets to see it. You can run a client on your Mac, your windows machine to sync the files back and forth to your Mac or simply access it directly. If you don't want to sync the files. And now with this iOS app, which is free, you can see the files on your iPad. Uh, I put the PDF for our show agenda out there and because I now have the iOS app, I was able to go directly into the, the transporter iOS app, pull the data out, 
put it into note taker HD because that's what I use to edit and it totally worked flawlessly. So uh, really, really great. It works from remote. It works locally. It is a beautiful thing. Did you have you gotten the iOS app quite yet, John? <clears throat> Not yet. Not yet. OK, well, that's OK. You will. We know you will. And uh, yeah, very, very cool stuff. What's going on here with uh, with Transporter? You know, we've we've talked about it quite a bit um, recently and we are uh, we are quite happy um, with what's going on here. So it's uh, it's good stuff. The um, they, they've apparently updated the transporters that we all already have and made. Uh, local network well they've made all connections they say about four times faster of course that'll be more obvious on the local network because uh well it's you know the local network is where you're going to see most of that speed so very cool stuff do you have any any thoughts on this uh, transporter thing john before we well i actually don't really notice that it's there which to me is good that's key right and that it's just, we just built it into our workflow and, and it does everything I'd expect. Um, you know, I get notifications, which, which I gather you can disable if you like, but you if can. you want them on, I get yep. notifications, um, you know, when things are changing, uh, if I want. Uh, the menu bar utility, you know, gives you a view uh, of recent activity so you know what's been happening in case you, you, you know, you yeah. uh, step away. Shows you all the connected folders. No, it's just really... Um, Again, it, it, it you know somewhere I don't have to think about uh, how to use it because I already know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> certainly. Well done. Certainly, it was possible to do this by setting up your own software or whatever in in the past. But the transporter makes this easy and it's cheap. I mean, it's it's well, we have a coupon code to save you ten percent. But uh, list prices are one ninety nine for an empty unit that you put your own drive in, two ninety nine for a one terabyte unit, three ninety nine for a two terabyte unit. With the coupon code MGG, you save 10%. So, you know, if you get a two terabyte unit, you just saved, uh, what did I say, $3.99? So 40 bucks, 39 bucks. That's good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you uh, visit uh, filetransporter.com slash MGG and then use that coupon code, also MGG, to save yourself 10% on this transporter. Uh, one last thing they do say that a new capability. Uh, it will be soon released and it that is read only folders. So right now, if I share a folder with you, John, we both get to edit the the contents of that folder. Suppose I had a folder that I wanted to share with lots of people, but only wanted them to be able to see what's in it and access it, but not change it so that no one else can mess with it. And that is coming. And that's a result of your feedback. So that's a very cool thing. Again, file transporter dot com slash MGG with the coupon code of MGG for 10% off. And that is that. Um, all right. Uh, let's see, John. You want to do Howard? Uh, I got I got one I'm going to throw Okay, in yeah, here. go ahead. Throw it in. Uh, so it's an iOS app. I think it's only on iOS here. But okay. um, uh, for those of you who um, take public transportation... Um, it's always nice to, to know what's up. And fortunately, many uh, public transportation services offer uh, real-time information, either going to them or through an app. And here's one of the apps. There's both a free and a, a pay version, the free one being supported by ads, uh, called Cuckoo, like a cuckoo bird, I guess. Uh, C-O-O-C-O-O.com. And if you uh, go to cuckoo.com slash iPhone, uh, you get a link to the uh, 
iPhone app. But I found it useful because it's uh, not only does it retrieve the schedule, which you can do through a lot of um, uh, a lot of different ways, but it, it also taps into the real time scheduling. So, for example, if, if they have a holiday schedule or sudden delays or something like that, it'll also tell you about that as well. So, huh? I found it handy because, you know, I'm the train jockey now. Right. Doing that every morning and evening. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, it's limited to uh, mostly, I think, in the Northeast here, uh, you know, Metro North, uh, New Jersey Transit, I think, Long Island, uh, a few others. And they've got the, the Boston, the T is on there, too. MBTA is on there. Oh, all right. Yeah. See, so yeah, I think it's mostly East Coast uh, and I think Pennsylvania also. So, uh, well, to be honest, that's mostly not all not only, um, but mostly that's where trains are are most successful i mean chicago has them obviously but um you know oh right well yeah i think yeah of all the lines here i think the northeast corridor is is the one that's uh <laughs> most used well and, and profitable right that's that's some of the, the other lines right right some of the other lines yeah i've, I've heard uh amtrak uh especially uh when you get off of the east coast can be uh trying because you're, you're fighting with uh uh, right away, you know, right, <laughs> right on the tracks there between freight trains, all that fun stuff. Anyways, yeah. but in the Northeast, yeah, like yeah. when I when I go to Boston, I, I I like, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let's see. You want to? Uh, well, you did that one, so I'll I'll do this one. Uh, you've all heard me rant and rave about the. Uh, custom firmware that I put on my router, the DDWRT firmware, or the, you can actually buy Buffalo routers with this firmware. Well, uh, there is an app out and there has been for a while. There's an app for your iPhone that lets you manage this firm firmware. One issue is that uh, you manage it with a web interface, but the web interface, if you use Safari gets really clunky on the iPhone to the point where there are, um, Pages you just can't get to unless you know the URL just because of the way the UI works. And this iOS app is awesome. Uh, it just reads data. You can change settings. You can do everything from it. And now there is DDWRT HD for the iPad, uh, which makes management of that even easier. And uh, the iPad, they're each four nine. Or sorry, each three ninety nine. But the iPad version, because it's new, is on sale for just one ninety nine. So. Uh, so if you are a DDWRT user, run and go get that. It's um, it, it's it's so worth it. Uh, I've I've already bought both and I'm quite happy that I did. So that's my story, John. What do you got next? You got Howard? Do I? I think I will. Go ahead. In a moment here. All right. Cool. I know we're jumping around our agenda, but you know we got to keep things interesting. Got to keep you on your toes, man. Which one? Oh, we got two of them here. Okay, here we go. So, Howard. Howard. Number two, I guess. All right. Hey, guys. The weather is starting to warm down here, and we're already thinking about boating and water sports. Still, I'm not distracted from uncovering cool stuff. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Popclip from Pilot Moon Software? No. <laughs> I hadn't either. It's very cool. This yeah. very cool little utility displays cut, copy, and paste links or other custom links whenever you highlight text on your Mac. For example, in Chrome, I highlighted the URL above. As soon as I release the mouse button for highlighting, Pop Clips menu appears right next to my mouse pointer, offering options for cut and copy. Cool. There you go. Let's look at their page here. Well, I guess it's short and sweet what it does. It, oh, yeah, right. it, it kind of makes things look like um, 
like they do when you tap on text on the iPhone. It, it you know, it creates that little pop up menu of cut, copy, paste, or you know, whatever the other options are. It it's actually pretty cool. I can I can see where where that you know you could that could totally become part of the workflow. I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's good. Ooh, and the new pop clip extensions. Oh, okay. Oh, right, really? it looks like you can enhance the product with add-ons. Oh, there we go. Okay, now, now that makes this interesting. Okay. See yeah. if it, do, do you see that link on the page there? Uh, on the pop clip page. Yeah. No, I am not on the pop clip page, but I will get okay. there because it sounds like this is important. Oh. Hang on. Sorry. I was helping someone edit our show notes. Okay, so I'm here. And then where do I go here? Pop clip extensions. Where's that, John? Mm-hmm. Well, it's right on the page. I know. But, oh, I see it. The the big red thing that I should have noticed. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Oh, so you can have like a, a you can transform. You can put text transformations in there so you can change your text to all uppercase or all lowercase or start with caps Oh, there's tons of these. Oh, they and they even have things like if you're an OmniFocus user, you can add a OmniFocus extension that bounces um, your stuff into OmniFocus. Oh, look, Yojimbo. It even talks to Yojimbo. That's good. Or someone made one. I hear there's a, an update to Yojimbo coming. They said that not that long ago. So I'm hoping that that really happens. Text expander uh, links. Oh, this is cool. You can automatically have it search basically your search engine of choice for Spotify or RDO for music. Wow. Oh, this is cool. How did, how have we not known about this? I love it. Wow. Only so much we can know. I, yeah, I suppose that's true. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that's why we do these cool stuff found shows. It's not just for you. It's for us, too. All right. Val has, uh, I believe Val has something to say. Let's see what, uh, let's see. Yeah. We'll just, we'll play Val's audio and then we'll take it from there. So Val, take it away. Hi, Pete. Hi, John F. Braun. Hi, Dave. This is Val calling from London, England. Uh, And just to let you know, I did go premium. Boom, boom. Thank you. Um, I'm not too sure if it's a two-part thing. I've got a cool stuff found, or um, maybe I just need a little bit more help. So um, recently, BusyCow did a wonderful um, offer or promotion on where they were, uh, had a great discount on BusyCow, and I'd always had my eye on BusyCow. I was currently using Apple's... um, own mail client with some varying degrees of success because um, uh, one of the chief things that I needed to do um, or or need to do is to be able to access my work email, which is on an exchange server, not on a new exchange server, I believe we use 2003. So first thing is, and I'm sure other people are using this now, there's a a wonderful um, plugin called Dave Mail, which um, is absolutely, you know, it it worked absolutely brilliantly, you know, um, initially. And then uh, as time went on, it just had a few problems, you know, kept asking me for passwords and other bits and pieces. So just got all a little bit 
confusing to you. So I thought, well, okay, let's uh, try jumping over because I had great reviews about using BusyCal. And um, uh, I thought we'd jump over and, and use BusyCal and uh, only to find out that uh, as I jumped to make uh, that choice for BusyCal, that my uh, Dave Mail plugin no longer worked with BusyCal. Shock, scream, holler. It was uh, terrible news. But uh, uh, taking you guys advice i did a little google foo I'm, I'm not a black belt I'm probably like a green belt but i did a little google foo and came up with um a, a, a free product which is called ical exchange which uh, only helps with the calendar side of things but basically it allows you to set up a free account um and a free um uh ical i guess exchange or something along those lines anyway that allows you to be able to use your busy cow um with this particular service so it works like this you have to uh, allow it to use a web publishing on your um uh on your microsoft client which everyone that is um then it then publishes to this system and then uh the system then will now uh, you can then subscribe to that in BusyCalp. So a bit long-winded, but uh, I think it works. I think the only issue being with this is that it looks like it's not been in development a little while, even though it still works fine, I'm guessing. Um, but it works really well. It's called iCal Exchange, and the uh, website is uh, iCalX.com, which is iCal, I-C-A-L-X, Dot com uh, and it seems to work uh, really fine i guess my only real question is 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 there anything else that could do uh, this um even better than maybe this product so um as i said this basically helps me with my i believe we've got an exchange server 2003 at work which they're not planning to upgrade not even for my benefit um and uh, i just need to keep all my work calendars in sync um i'm currently still using the dave mail plugin for uh, my my email but if there's an even better solution out there that would actually help uh i'd be very interested to know um I guess at this point, it's where you probably cut me off. But before you cut me off, I just like to say, don't get caught. <laughs> well, thank you, Val. Yeah. And, and for those of you listening along at home, uh, the, the website is, is dav, davmail, D-A-V-M-A-I-L um, dot sourceforge.net, I believe. And so that, that's using webdav, I think, is where the, the, the source of the name comes from. But um as far as better solutions, uh, the only thing that I came up with, uh, I, I didn't come up with this. Uh, Brian Monroe in the chat room came up with this. He says better to use IMAP for an older exchange server like you're using there, Val. Um, and and he's right when he, he kind of followed that up by saying middleware, you know, is always a kludge because it you're reliant on some third party keeping these other two parties talking to each other. And that's never, you know, now you've got to have three pieces. It's the three legged stool, right? And uh, it does not stand with any one leg, not in sync or the same length as the others. So, so, um, well, so I've run into that too, actually in that. So for example, my, um, so, so we have, I think an older, uh, the workplace, an older exchange implementation. I think it also is 2003. And whereas uh, the iDevice can talk to it fine yep. if, if it has uh, it exposed via the uh, web access, I guess they call it Outlook web access. Um, iCal doesn't seem to like it and Mail doesn't. 
seem to like to talk to it either, or I haven't been able to figure out how to do it. Cause I think the, yeah. the whatever parser they have in, uh, in iCal and mail doesn't understand how to talk to the older exchange, uh, doesn't understand the older exchange protocol. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, all right. Let's see. You want to take Alan, my friend, Alan? Yes. Okay. Um, exercise caution. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. I Hi, John and Dave. I just upgraded a 2007 vintage white MacBook with an SSD drive. It seemed bad karma to just chuck it out after years of satisfactory service. And it started to get the favorite screwdriver stage, you know, slightly worn all over, but fits nicely into the hand. With the new hard drive, it also boots lying in about 13 seconds cold, putting my more recent MacBook Pro to shame. Maybe it also needs an upgrade. Anyways, for the cool stuff found, this blog post, um, and it's a blog post, I'm not going to read it out here, uh, was invaluable to me to tweak the OS's use of the SSD, uh, no A time and the like. And I'll explain what that means in a, in a moment. Thought I'd pass this on since I know you often speak about SSDs. So, uh, looking at this blog post here, it has a number of suggested tweaks here. I'd, I'd be careful with some of these. I don't think any of these are, are approved. But I'll just go through some of these uh, quickly. So one, it, it says turn off the sudden motion sensor. I guess, yeah, that kind of makes sense. As far huh. as I know, the only purpose of it is to um, tell the computer that the, the machine is falling and you better park the head on the hard drive so it doesn't die. Right. Or get hurt. Um, huh. And then some other things yeah. here. Turn off hibernate. I agree with that. That, that you know, causes wear and tear in any drive. Uh, disable file access time tracking. That was the one that was mentioned. Uh, no A time. Uh, apparently in the background, the OS uh, maintains a list of when files were last accessed. And if you don't want this list. I'd be kind of nervous about that because no. somebody's using that. I actually think that that is helpful. We do that on our servers too. Oh, okay. Um, and, and my guess is, and it would be interesting to kind of cross reference this list with what happens when you're using an actual like factory installed SSD, because I think a lot of this stuff probably happens anyway. I'm not convinced that turning off disk sleep is smart because the SSDs actually chew up a lot of power. So you, you may well be well served allowing that disk to sleep, but, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if Noah time was set when uh, with an Apple SSD and the same with the sudden motion sensor, right? I just like the, the whole, what, what was that? Um, uh, there's that other technology that the, the cleaning technology that happens with SSDs. It's like trim, Right. Um, yes. You know, that used to be something you could set via third party or, or, you know, external methods. But if you had an Apple SSD, it was just automatically turned on. So I, I wonder how much of this is is, you know, just getting you in sync with what you would have were you to be running an Apple SSD. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What else do they have here? Here's another good just general one. Adjust spotlight settings. Yeah. Um. Yeah, looking at this one, I'd agree with. Uh, actually, I do this just in general because um, yeah, there's certain directories and and they list them here where you know it's either large content that changes and you don't really need to to re-index it or that's probably good for uh, any of us. Yeah, and then they talk about trim. Yeah, I'd be kind of wary of that because uh, the way that some utilities go about it isn't isn't quite right. Right. So 
I'm just thinking that the, the speed increase you're going to get anyways is good. But uh, but I think in general, a lot of these tips here uh, are, are good in the context. If you can reduce, if they're in the context of reducing disk activity, then that's always a good thing because yep. SSDs, well, like any, uh, SSDs have a limit uh, in terms of any memory has a limit as to how many times you can write to it before it stops accepting write operations. Yeah. So I just checked my uh, my iMac in the office, which has an SSD and then a one terabyte spinning drive. They are not. It's the same hardware that you would have for a fusion drive, but they are not fusion drive because this machine came out before Apple was offering that. Um, and my main drive is not mounted Noah time. So I'm actually thinking of whether or not I should I should just do that. That may be a better thing. Like you said, it saves the, the wear and tear. Or the the writing to the drive, so very interesting. Good stuff. I I um I can't see why. Again, the sleep thing I don't think makes sense to me uh, because because SSDs do burn power, and some of them burn more power than their spinning counterparts. Um, but uh, hibernate mode that makes sense, and and the Noah time thing. Hmm. I have to think about that because we do that on our servers and it, man, does it save a huge amount of time? Cause you know, it, it, it just makes them makes things more efficient because by writing to each file, every time it's accessed, every time you're reading from the drive, it's now writing to the drive, which, you know, for something like a web server, especially if you have folders of lots and lots of little static files, which we do for some of our caching purposes, um, it's just silly to go and write that. Yep. Oh, hey, I access this. I access this. I access this. No, don't update that. Just leave it alone. So, very interesting. Very interesting, John. And in the uh, in the hard drive realm, I've actually had a need to uh, suggest using um, a utility I'm going to talk about in five seconds. For <laughs> but um, it was somebody complaining after they had a new hard drive that they it, it, it was chatty or clicky. Okay. Now, well, with the new hard drive, that, that would either alarm me because, uh, yeah, clicking hard drives is usually a uh, prelude to uh, uh, death, destruction, death yes. and destruction yes. of your data. Of your data, yeah. <laughs> but the utility I found here, um, sometimes the reason that the drive is chattering is not because it wants to talk to you or it's going to fail, but because it's engaged in aggressive power management. And I actually had this happen with, with OneDrive that I uh, installed a little while ago. And there's a way to adjust it. And there's this tiny little utility here, uh, which will tweak the parameter on the drive. And you typically uh, have it run. Uh, and they give you instructions here. Yeah. Uh, have it run during your uh, startup routine. Uh, and here it is. It's uh, HDAPM is the name of the utility here. And it's a utility for setting the power management level on a SATA hard drive. Oh, okay. So that's really about it because I noticed it after uh, after one of the hard drives, which I think the last several that I've bought have all been the Hitachi Travel Star series, and this one that I got, I think when I got the five hundred gig a little while ago, you know, I'd be, um, you know, using using the laptop uh, at night, uh, you know, while while uh, uh, in the bedroom or something, and and it was very quiet except every now and then I'd hear a, and it was just aggravating because <laughs> there's this little chattering noise. And I'm like, where is it coming from? And eventually I determined it was coming from the hard drive itself. Sure. It was making just this little, almost imperceptible, but perceptible enough to be really annoying. Right. Click. 
Right. <laughs> That's awesome. And this took care of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see. I know what I want to do. Um, I want to talk about our second sponsor. And our second sponsor is Squarespace. Uh, and so if you want to just jump right in and go start with them, it's squarespace.com slash MGG. I'll give you an offer code in a little bit. Uh, in fact, I'll give it to you right now. It's MGG three to get you 10% off uh, on your order. Now, uh, what is Squarespace? Some of you may be asking Squarespace is it really, it's a one-stop shop. If you want to set up a website, uh, you go there and you, you know, you visit squarespace.com slash MGG and immediately you start building your site before you can even buy anything before you can do anything. You are building your website. And the cool part is you're doing this in your web browser with your mouse, with your keyboard, but you're not typing code. You're not doing uh, any of the, the hard stuff. Uh, they sort of take care of all that behind the scenes. And it's cool. You, you pick a template, you sort of say, well, I want to, you know, and they've got tons of really beautiful templates out there. Um, and, and so, you, you know, you sort of narrow it down. This is the type of website I want to create. And then you've got, you know, just, just dozens or perhaps even hundreds of templates, depending on what, what type of site you want to create to pick from. And then you can tweak. And one of the coolest things is you can actually take your own images, drag them from the finder into your web browser and place the images on your web page that way. I mean, it's literally that simple. You just drag it in. And then you can relay things out. You can obviously change text and all that. And if there are little snippets of code that you want to enter for various reasons, and sometimes there simply are, uh, then you can do that. That's no problem. They don't limit you from doing that. They just don't force you to do that. And that is part of the beauty. If you have your own domain name, you can assign that to uh, to to your um uh, you know, to your, to your account, or you can use, you know, the one that they give you. And then kind of once you're done setting up the beginning of your website, that's when you have the opportunity to, to just mess with the trial for a little bit longer, or you can pay. And at that point, MGG three, because we are in the third month of the year. Um, so that's where, that's the code that is now valid. Um, but, uh, um, it's squarespace.com slash MGG. So go ahead and check it out. They, they, uh, they recently added an e-commerce engine. So if you want to set up a little store, if you want to set up your, uh, you know, way to sell stuff on your website, it's all right there. You don't have to go sign up for merchant accounts. You don't have to do any of that. You just plug that in and boom, there you go. So yeah, Squarespace is, uh, is very well respected out there. I've used it, uh, to create a little website for, the one of the organizations at my kid's school and it's just so easy and it hosts it and it just takes care of all of the stuff that I know, I know how much of a pain in the neck it is because we do it with TMO and, and, it, and, and it's fine that we do it with TMO. It's a, it's a whole different thing. But, um, but if you just want to get a website up and running, I, in fact, it, it's funny until this Squarespace thing and I started messing with it, I sort of had this, this hesitation of launching little different websites because I knew the amount of work that's required to go from, you know, from zero to a hundred with it. But with Squarespace, there's no work required. You just do it. And so it really, it, it's good for geeks and non geeks alike. I, I, and I really mean that. So squarespace.com slash M G G. 
That's the place to start. MGG3 is the code. All right, John. You ready for Steve? I think so. Well, good. It has to do with time. It does. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steve writes, I thought this might be cool stuff found, and I think it is. Uh, so let's see. First, the symptoms displayed by the time capsule. So he, he had a time capsule that uh, was acting up here. Uh, and the symptoms were as follows. When the power was plugged in, the LEDs would flicker and die, and the time capsule would not power on. Okay. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd say that's, that's, bad. that's a power side problem. Yeah. And actually, they did have, I believe, both you and I, Dave, at one point, both bought a time capsule that was covered under a repair program yeah. due to a failing power supply. So it's been known to happen. Now, I don't think there's currently any repair programs that, that uh, are active for time capsule uh, power supply failures. But I know there was, at least for the one that I have, which I don't know, it's like three, four years old. Um, so what he did is popped it open. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, I fix it has some good instructions actually, cause I've been in mine playing with the hard drive or replacing it. Yep. Uh, he pulled the hard drive, saw it was okay. Then I started wondering if I could find a power supply to replace uh, or to repair it. Uh, a little Google foo, um, uh, brought up someone or brought up a lot of other people who had a problem and an individual who apparently sells a uh, replacement power supply kits. So, um, he wrote to the person, uh, I guess it's a uh, 90 bucks for the power supply kit. Uh, Actually, I think it's, it out. it's 70 plus shipping. And, and ah, I think okay. Steve was in, I think he's in the, U, he's in the Australia. Oh no. Oh, I think he's in Japan. He's in Japan. I knew he was somewhere. And yes. The person who makes it is, uh, and, and the kit came from Australia. Okay. Right. 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 So, um, so basically he pulled the old one and yeah, I've been in there. I think it's pretty straightforward. Of course, be careful around power supplies. <laughs> Yeah, we <laughs> uh, basically replaced the power supply and uh, everything was great. Um, so looking that uh, the cost of a new unit is quite a bit more than just replacing the power supply. Uh, it seems like a good deal. So. It is a good deal. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. Um, you know, uh, this will be a cool stuff found reprise for me, I'm sure, John. Uh, but very relevant this week. Google Docs, which is something we use a lot, John, because it's an easy way to collaborate on. Uh, in fact, we're using it right now with the people in the chat room. We're all collaborating on uh, sort of the first draft of the show notes links. And we've got everybody. Well, not everybody, anybody that wants to in the chat room adding to uh, the show notes links and we can see it. Uh, but uh, Google Docs this week had some outages. Uh, where things were either not coming up for many of us or very, very, very slow for uh, for all of us. And, you know, that that brings up a little bit of a scare, especially if you have stuff that's only stored in Google Docs. Now, Google um, certainly doesn't keep you from exporting stuff out, but there's no really easy way to just say, give me everything, you know, uh, except if you use a piece of software called CloudPull. And this is from goldenhillsoftware.com. CloudPull uh, does exactly what you would think it does. It sits there. It monitors your Google Docs and uh, and pulls the data down and saves it on your Mac. Uh, officially, it's in read only format on your Mac, but obviously you can, you know, you just save copies. Um, but it allows you to open stuff up. I was able to open up stuff, you know, in Excel or Word or whatever to uh, to see it and get data out, even though uh, 
Google Docs, the service was down. Now, obviously, the reason I was able to do it is because I was already running CloudPull from the last time we mentioned it in Cool Stuff Found. But uh, but if you're not running it, you really should be, especially uh, if anybody that's using Google Docs should be using CloudPull because it gives you a local backup that Time Machine can then also back up. So, you know, you're 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 now doubly covered. Uh, but having local copies of everything that's important to you is or should be important to you. So that's uh, that's CloudPull. And it's uh, you can it, you can download and use it for free. And then there's a, a nine ninety nine uh, payment kind of that you can do for premium features, which includes support for up to 10 Google accounts simultaneously. You can run it as a background app um, and you can change the location where it stores your files. But even for free, you can get uh, sort of basic features of thank goodness. I have a backup copy of everything that's in Google docs. So cloud pull golden that's that's my pitch for this week, John, or at least one of them. Personal pitch. Is that a, is that a what do I even mean by that? It's me. All right, cool. Do you use CloudPull? No. Yeah. Well, you should. I use the cloud and I pull things out of it on occasions. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, indeed, you do. All right. Uh, you want to take this next one from Richard? Richard. Oh, yeah, I took a peek at this. Um, found. Found? Found. That's the... Uh, <laughs> let me get the letter here. Uh, here we go. Okay, yes. Um, hi, guys. Check out an app in the App Store called Found. On the last show, you were all talking about linking all the cloud services together. This app will allow you to search all of them. So let's you search Mac, Evernote, Dropbox, SkyDrive, Google, Drive, Gmail, and several others. Okay. Uh, basically, it looks like a specialized Mac uh, search tool. Yep. And that it searches your uh, various uh, cloud service, uh, uh, I guess the local content. I don't think it's searching actually out in the cloud. I think it's just searching where it normally uh, syncs locally. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think that's probably right. Yep. So, but I can see how that's useful. So it kind of complements uh, Spotlight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. They, they're actually, they were acquired by You Send It uh, about, I don't know, two months Ooh. ago. Yeah. Yeah. But very, you know, yeah. Like I said, seems like a cool thing. Thank you, Richard. Anything more on this one or is it, uh, is, yep. it is it my Pretty turn? Straightforward. All right. Blasting forward. Harvey says, uh, in show 438, you omitted my favorite answer for a problem that a listener raised with regards to syncing files with Dropbox without duplication. The software is MacDropAny from Zibity.com, and it works great, he says. So MacDropAny, they say, is the easiest way to sync any folder on your Mac with Dropbox, Box.com, Google Drive, iCloud Drive, or Microsoft SkyDrive using, and I'm just reading from the website, but using MacDropAny, you can have access to any folder on your computer from anywhere in the world. Imagine being able to use your desktop, your music collection, or documents folder in an instant. That's pretty interesting. So it lets you sync any folder with many different cloud providers. Um, very cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. That's good stuff. Uh, Harvey, good stuff. 
any thoughts on this, John? Or are you, uh, you know, you're going to bring us into Bob, Bob land. Dr. Bob. I got to say hi to Bob. Bob was very, uh, he was very, his Austin hospitality was outstanding. It was great to see him. So thank you, Bob. Oh, wasn't that cat Mac? Yeah. Yeah. I saw Bob at the cat Mac meeting. Yep. He came to the meeting and we, we, that's right. I talked about this last time. So yeah. Thanks Bob. So he wrote in, Oh, this, this is interesting. If you're into sound at all, um, another short and sweet one here and even set the screenshot. Um, so we talked about this option key trick with the volume menu where it'll show you, uh, I guess, uh, more information than normal. Uh, well, something that goes one better is sound source from Rogue Amoeba. And apparently it's free. And looking at the display on his screen here, my goodness, he, uh, he has a lot of audio devices. Yeah. So this thing here, uh, Apple TV, Blackmagic Audio, Boom Device, Digital Out, uh, another Apple TV, internal speakers, line out, rabbit ears. Savvy, whatever that is, and Soundflower. So, uh, yeah, Bob's got a, Bob's the, got a lot of input and output devices. But he, but you're right, John. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, that's it. Sound source, Rogue Amoeba, free. Yeah, and what's what's cool about it? I'm trying to think. Bob's. Um, oh, let's see. Do they have a a screenshot there? They do have a screenshot on the Rogue Amoeba website. You got to scroll to the bottom. Uh, of the rogamiba.com slash freebies page and uh, and then tap on the or click on the sound source uh, picture. But what's cool here is you can see not only do you get to set your output, your input, your system volume at their system uh, source or, or destination for the audio, but you can set individual volume levels here, which is really cool. So, you know, if you know that when you're using your um, you know, your, I mean, in this example, your iMic for the output, you know, you want that to be cranked, but the internal speakers for your system volume, I mean, that's pretty cool that you can, you know, set all this stuff a little bit separately. So very, very good. Very good. I like it. I like anything that lets us tweak a little bit more. Um, thanks, Bob. So kind. All right. Um, yeah, I added this and now I don't even remember what it uh, it does. But uh, I will lead you to where I am leading myself. Instashare is the app and it's instashareapp.com. Um, Instashare lets you uh, share files with, well, basically anyone and it uses, I'm trying to think, transfer files the easy dray. It's airdrop for iOS and OS 10. Why did I put this on here, John? Do you know more about InstaShare? It, it's, uh, you just, oh, 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 it's, uh, you're transferring files back and forth, no problem. Uh, you just plug it in and go. I'm trying to think of why, why I put this out here. It looks cool. But I have, I, I guess what I'm saying is I have no memory whatsoever of ever seeing this before in my life. And I am the one that put this on our cool stuff found list, but I must've put it on like two months ago. Ah, I got it now. Sharing files back and forth between your iOS device and your desktop Mac. Um, it's, it's like airdrop for you. Um, but you know, whereas airdrop lets you go Mac to Mac, this actually lets you go iOS you just drag the file onto the thing and boom, back it goes back and forth. No problem. Um, the app for 
The iOS is free, and I believe it's free on the other side too. I don't know how they're making money, but um, but that's a good thing. The Mac app is in beta right now, so perhaps the Mac app will be will be charged for down the road. But you can get it. You can start at instashareapp.com. And we will put that link in the show notes. So yeah, if you need to get files back and forth between your iOS device and your Mac, this is the easy way from your local network. Have you tried InstaShare, John, since you've seen it on the list? InstaShare? Yeah. No. Okay. Actually, one thing I noticed is, um, (gasps) excuse me, um, Oh, I see what this is. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, at first I, I thought it had something to do with Instagram. No, no. But uh, if people don't know, Instagram uh, recently um, enabled a web interface. Like before mm-hmm. you needed their app in order to view stuff. That's right. Now, if you type in, I think it's uh, Instagram.com slash and your uh, username. Hey, look how intuitive. And it does a web version of the see, pictures. So you can see Pretty all nice of John's too. pictures at Instagram.com slash John F. Braun. Am, am I right about that? Yes, I am right about that. And you can. Or you Dave can, Hamilton. That's right. That's right. Probably even Pilot Pete. I don't know if he's an Instagrammer. I don't. Yeah. Doesn't it is. do these nice mixes here? Yeah, I, I like, like it. How it. Yeah. No, Pilot Pete is not. There, Pilot Pete on Instagram exists, but it's not our Pilot Pete. I'm I'm guessing it's a different mm, Pilot it's another Pete. One. It's an yeah. imposter. Well, and there there's but so this would then be Pilot Pete number three because I don't think this is we have we have another Pilot Pete um, who who flies in. I think he flies for Swiss Air. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Well, I'm not saying his last name, so it doesn't matter. Um, and he has met us at, at Macworld Expo uh, several times. So he, he always introduces himself as the other Pilot Pete. So we will say hi to all Pilot Petes today. Isn't he the one that offered to let us fly out the plane? Yeah. Yeah, because the, the rules are different over there. Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to say that too loud. But yes. But yes, he did. And no, it's like, uh, okay, we got to plan. But he's like retiring soon or something. So it's like, oh, we got to plan a trip quick. Huh. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right. I will take, uh, I'll take Chris, I guess, because this is, oh, this is near and dear to your heart. This is near and dear. Yes. So Chris says, uh, I am a closet case geek. It's okay. Join us. We're all out here. It's good. Uh, and I, and though you, and through you guys, I get to explore my inner geek. Uh, he says on the gab, you have talked about power line adapters. I tried a couple of different brands to varying degrees of success. Primary issue for me being what I would call quality of throughput. Most times it's very slow. Sometimes it's really slow. Uh, I have no data-driven evidence. I just can't stream videos, etc. cetera. Uh, through the folks at TiVo, I discovered Mocha, uh, which is essentially the same as Powerline, but going over your uh, uh, coax cable in the house instead of your power cables in the house. And I'll explain what all this is at the end here. He says, and now that I'm using Mocha, I've had no problem streaming movies and, and videos. In particular, I found a brand called Channel Master, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes, that has a four-port Mocha switch. And they also sell Powerline if you are interested. So, yeah, the the idea here is um, Powerline, as we've explained, 
allows you to send your Ethernet signal over your uh, AC power outlets in your house. So, you know, you probably don't have Ethernet cables in your walls, but you do have uh, power cables in your walls. And in most homes, uh, especially homes built anywhere really in the last 50 years, maybe even longer, power line tends to work pretty well. But there are those situations where it doesn't. And it could even be a new construction, but certainly old construction um, has some weird, you know, may have some weirdness that, that causes trouble. And so what uh, MOCA, it's uh, M, capital M, lowercase O, capital C, capital A, uh, is the same concept. You're sending Ethernet over your coax uh, cables that may have in the house for your uh, cable TV. These are typically higher quality cables, especially in older construction. And so you might get better throughput and, and all of that out of it. The Mocha stuff is a little more expensive than Powerline in my experience. But, uh, you know, if that's what works for you, then that's the price. Right. So. Um, so thank you. Uh, thank you, Chris, for, for sending this in. We will put these links in the show notes. I have I have only used Mocha um, a little bit. I haven't used it a ton. Um, I've only tested with it here. I, I tend to use Powerline pretty exclusively and it works. So that's, uh, that's why it, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, so I've only tested with it with the Mocha stuff, but it worked. So yes, yes. Any, any thoughts on that, John? I think I'm going to run some, uh, ah, maybe I'll use that because I do have, cable running in almost every room right hmm. it, yeah well i mean there's lots of folks out there we can you know certainly get you in touch with people to get some hardware to test too i i you would probably be a perfect candidate to test this mocha stuff yeah yes yes all right you're gonna you're gonna uh, are you are we just going to ponder that for a moment or do you want to jump on to uh to curtis or or john or brandon or? i got my own oh well, well i got better. another one here i thought i'd remind people of it. go yeah i don't know if you've used it in a while here dave but um let me make sure i got the right uh url here okay. okay oh they keep changing it square i was showing their device to someone the other day um square is a a tiny little device that lets you take uh, credit and debit cards. And it's just really cool because it's really easy. The reader's free. You can, uh, uh, their site currently, this is the fun part, uh, squareup.com. And they give you a little reader. It plugs into either an iPhone or uh, Android. Uh, and I did test it. This is the cool part. I was actually to, uh, showing it to someone at work who had an Android phone. And I'm like, oh no, the reader works, works just, you know, works on, on either phone. Just download the app. Sure. And, uh, and I think they've changed a little bit, but uh, right now it's it says it right smack dab on their page here, two point seven five percent per swipe. Yep, that's pretty good. <laughs> it it is, yeah. It, it's as an individual who maybe doesn't, uh, or even as someone, and I think they have a point of sale uh, version of this, uh, uh, that where you can run it on an iPad and stuff like that, and run it to you know use it to run your uh, business, or if you're someone that just every now and then needs to take a credit card, I think I've used it once. But the benefit to me is that you don't have to rent anything or lease anything. There's no long-term commitments. You just, whenever you swipe, uh, takes out 2.75% and then puts the rest in your bank account. Pretty That's good. it. That's right. So, um, 
you know, we, I had this, um, we had this auction last night, John, that, uh, I mentioned in pre-show, but it was to raise money for a thing that the kids are doing a trip that the kids uh, band is taking to, uh, to Disney world. And so, uh, this year for the first time, we wanted to be able to offer credit cards. And my wife is the treasurer for the, um, for the jazz band. So she was tasked with finding this out and, she researched both Square and PayPal because PayPal has the uh, a PayPal reader and we already had a PayPal account. So that was sort of the easy path to head down. So she did that. She got the PayPal reader and then somebody said, oh, you should check out Square. I think it's cheaper. And as it turns out, PayPal, they do the same thing. They send you the little uh, reader. It plugs into the uh, uh, audio jack of your iPhone or iPad. She actually wound up doing it last night on her iPad mini. Um, which was really handy, perfect size for, for that because it was a little bit bigger. So when people are signing with their fingers on it, it's not so kludgy, but, uh, but PayPal only charges 2.7% for this. So I know, I know. So yeah, it was like last minute. Somebody said, well, we should use square cause it's cheaper. And she was like, Oh no, I can't set up another thing. And then we looked and it was like, Oh, it's not cheaper. Yay. You know? So, uh, but I mean, you know, you're talking about pennies here. On, on even on a thousand dollar transaction, it's, you know, 0.05%. It's not going to kill anybody, but, uh, yeah, it's cool stuff. It was square or PayPal. I mean, any of these, the, the, they send you the reader for free and, and then you can swipe and it's, it's cool the way it works. I like it. I like it. Speaking, are we, are we good on this, John? I think so. All right, cool. And if uh, nothing else, the reader is kind of a cool little device in and of itself. You that, plug it into the right thing, and then you can hear the the boops and blips that it makes, uh, which is uh, what it's doing is it's translating the, you know, of course, the credit card to audio. Right. Or the credit card mag stripe data to, to audio. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun stuff to mess with. We, we did a lot of that when I was at Citibank. Um well, I, mean, we, we, I didn't I didn't work in the branches. I worked in our actually in our home banking our I'm there now uh, home banking division. But this was really early. This was way pre Internet. Uh, I was the only it, it, once I had Internet access at the office, which I did not have when we started. Uh, I was the only person in the office to have Internet access. And they all thought it was like spooky. But um, so this was done over. Um, initially, it was done over the over, you know, a modem. And then we had this telephone that we built uh, in conjunction with Philips Electronics that was an IBM. It was an XT baked into like a slightly larger than normal desk phone. And it had a little screen in it, but it wasn't an LCD screen. It was a projection screen in there. And then it had a little pullout keyboard and it had initially it had a, a reader that you'd put your, your uh, ATM card in and it would read from that. And then we moved to a smart card down the road. Uh, so we did a lot of that stuff. It was cool. It was fun stuff back in the early days. So anyway, where am I going with this? We're talking about swiping, weren't we, John? Right. Well, Curtis has uh, a tip. We were talking about uh, control down arrow to, uh, to activate all of that cool stuff and he says that on the uh, uh on your if you have a magic trackpad that can also be activated by a four finger down swipe on apple's trackpad or on your uh on the magic trackpad or on your on your laptop's trackpad to get the uh the 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 the, the, the 
what do you call that thing at the top there, John? The, the magic mission control. So thanks, Curtis. Good stuff. Am I taking one more? Or are you taking the next one? Oh, I think I've heard a... Oh, I see Brandon. I think we've touched on this one before. Go ahead. Do Brandon. That's great. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Dave slash John. That's us. That's us. I was listening to 437 on the way into work this morning and thought I'd give you a much easier way of looking for why you can't eject an external volume or empty an item out of your trash. Take a look at What's Keeping Me by Hamsoft Engineering. Oh, I like them already. Ham. Um, <laughs> does exactly this and is much less intimidating for some of your listeners. I spend most of my day in the terminal using grep and regular expressions, but still find what's keeping me handy to keep in my toolbox. Okay. Sounds good. I think it's doing basically, uh, it's, uh, I would think it's a shell for our front end to, uh, what we were suggesting, uh, you know, which is a uh, voodoo in the uh, terminal, which to some is so <laughs> very cool. All right, we've got time for uh, one or two more. So I'm going to look here quickly. Um, the, um, you know, so I don't know, about a month ago, we were talking about long range. Oh, no, we already did this. The long range Wi-Fi thing. And then we found the cheaper one. But I, th- I think we already talked about the, the cheaper version. So we found this long range Wi-Fi thing from uh, Air Mesh that um that we talked about that that lets you blast a wi-fi signal outside and it but it's like 379 bucks and uh listener stefan found essentially the same hardware for 89 bucks the big difference is the software that's in the two units and um and the software in the 89 dollar one doesn't have nearly the the mesh features of the the more expensive one but for most of us doing this at our homes or beach houses or you know wherever it is you're going to do this you probably don't need a mesh of things to cover you know a football field you just need to get signal to your dock right and so that's where this 89 dollar one comes in from streak wave and we'll put that in the show notes but that's a that's a reprise that we've um that we've talked about before in, in response to somebody's question between now and then. So, uh, so that one doesn't count. We still have, we still have two more that we can do since that one was a unintentional repeat, recent repeat. Um, all right. We're going to do Jeff here, John. Jeff is good. All right. Uh, okay. He says, from Mac Geek at 432, for the listener question, you talked about Mark's issue with his iPhone connection and how he would lose his data connection while being in his office. I can confirm that this happens to me, too. You didn't mention what carrier Mark uses or if he provided any details about his office, but I would suspect that he suffers the same as I do where I work, for I see the same thing happening. Uh, he says it's most likely the carrier signal cannot penetrate into my office to my iPhone 5 because of all the metal and structures around us. Now, if I'm outside of my office, I can still get four to five bars of LTE. No problem with AT&T. Unfortunately for anyone else in this situation, there's really nothing else that can be done unless you're the head of the IT department and or can get equipment approved and purchased of note. Also, uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He says, I believe that Mark is in one of those situations that I just mentioned. If it's a problem with the cell tower and he's on AT&T, he can use AT&T's Mark the Spot iPhone app to report regional uh, signal issues. 
I would report issues usually once a week or so for several months. And AT&T eventually fixed the issue. So uh, so that's the cool stuff found is the app called Mark the Spot. Very cool. It uses uh, um, uh, your location services to find out where you are and then uh, and then allows you to tell AT&T that, yep, I don't have signal here. I have weak signal here or or whatever it is that that you have. And it, it lets you pick from sort of a, um, a, a variety of, of symptoms that you're seeing. Data is too slow or. Um, you can even report that you've got a spam text message with this app. So pretty cool stuff. I, you know, I know we all kvetch about our, our various cell providers and none of them are perfect and none of them allow us to make calls as easily as we were able to, uh, or as ubiquitously as we were able to, when we were all on analog cell phones, but this is today's world. And so it is nice to see that not only does AT&T have this app that lets you report this stuff, but you know, it seems like at least in, in Jeff's situation, it actually worked and it helped him uh, eventually get the, get the problem solved. So do you have uh, do you have one to do? And then, and then I'll end it up with Lauren after you've got whatever your last one is here, John. I, mean, I think you were talking about texts, right? I was spam spam. Yes, please. Oh, okay. Well, I think most of them offer a way where you can uh, forward, um, most carriers. I know Verizon does this too, but uh, if you forward a, a, a spam text message to 7726, which is spam, um, a lot of them will do that to help shut them down. Really? Yeah. Huh. I had no idea. And yet, sure enough, I just found a uh, AT&T does it. Um, that's fascinating. Seven seven two six. Oh, dude, I gotta remember that. Yeah, I don't get them every. And the other thing I I, I get every now and then is I I keep getting these uh, calls from Florida, and and when I look up the number, it's it's almost certainly a uh, you want a free vacation scam. Oh, dude, you, where are you gonna go? Oh well, I I'm sure they're giving <laughs> oh, me a free vacation to uh, Florida. Yes. Once I pay this fee and that fee and the other fee. Right. And then it's not free anymore. And then it right, where are stops we? being free. All right. Uh, I think it is time to, uh, to wrap things up. We've, we've been going longer than I realized. Mm-hmm. So uh, she says, I know she had a cool stuff found. And this is something I stumbled onto too. And it, you know, it's one of those things, like so many things that I just forget. And now it makes it automatic. But anyway, she says on your iPhone or iPad or iPod touch anything running iOS. Did you know that you can insert a picture or video into an email just by clicking and tapping and holding tapping and holding, I should say to bring up the copy paste menu. And now in the copy paste menu, you'll see a little arrow that makes the menu larger. Uh, So scroll over with that menu. And one of the things is insert picture or video. So you don't have to, if you're in the middle of an email uh, and you think, Ooh, I want to put a picture here. You don't have to, bail out of the email, go to the photos app, find the picture, copy it to the clipboard, go in and paste. You can sort of initiate that process right there as part of the, um, the, uh, the right, right in the in line in the, in the email composition there. And it's so super handy. So thank you for, uh, thank you for reminding us of that, Lauren. And thank you for telling us of that. It is good stuff. And with that, I believe, John, unless you've got one more thing, I think it's time to uh, 
to begin the wrap-up process here? I don't think so. All right. I think I'm CSF'd out. I know. I think we've, uh, yeah, that was good. We did not make it through everything, as you might imagine, folks, but that's, you know, that's how it goes with these. They do pile up. Um, and it was a good week for questions, too. So it's, um, you know, there's only so much that we can do in our hour. We, you know, we started this show, the goal was 45 minutes, and we kept to that for a while. And then we're like, oh, we can let it go a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Now we have some shows that go an hour and a half. I don't know where we are on this one. We're at 116, so this one's not going to be too bad. So that's good. We try to keep it in that, you know, I guess I guess we're at the hour and 10 minute mark is sort of where we try to wrangle things. Seems to work for you. If it doesn't, you please do let us know. It's always good to get, you know, lots of feedback about that um, so that we know what works for you are loyal listeners, but I suppose it's also self-selecting. We've been doing this hour and 10 thing minute, you know, for, uh, for a while. So my guess is the people for whom it doesn't work have unfortunately probably stopped listening. So, but you tell us it's fine. We're here. Now, Dave, I believe I heard you utter the word feedback. I did say feedback at one point and I'm not talking about part- feedback. Like, you know, like that kind of feedback. Awesome. Well, let me see if I can figure out how to do that on my board. <laughs> You'd have to turn up your speakers in the room is, is the only oh, way to, to do that. actually, I don't have any speakers right, hooked up. Right, right. Just my headphones. Yeah, that's, that's how All I was right. able to... But the reason I that. said that is because that is part of the email address that you can use to get in touch with us. And the email address is feedback at MacGeekGab.com, Dave. That's right. I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. <laughs> feedback on demand. That's right. <laughs> at MacGeekGab.com. Uh, let's see. You can call us at 206-666-GEEK, which, John, is? 4335. That's right. Uh, you can also use the MacGeekGab iOS app uh, to not only listen to the show, but send us feedback. You can send us audio comments. And when you do, if you're listening to the show, it actually marks it not only with the timestamp, but the chapter, the name of the chapter that you were in when you were listening. And I got to tell you, for those of you that are using that, it makes such a difference because it immediately reminds me of, OK, now I get the context of where this came from. You know, sometimes in the middle of you know going through 100 emails, like, wait, what are we what were we talking about? You know, and it really helps to say, oh, you know, we're talking about listener Paul's question. Like, uh, yeah, OK, I remember, I'm sure. But. You know, so really, really helpful to kind of cut to the chase, as you will. So check out the Mac Geekab app in the in the iOS app store, please. What else, John? Uh, if you want to uh, learn when we'll be doing the uh, live show, uh, among other things, and just to hang out with other people who listen to the podcast, you can go to our Facebook page, which not surprisingly is facebook.com slash Mac that's right. You can also find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash MacGeekGab is the show, uh, slash John F. Braun is him, slash Dave Hamilton is me, slash Mac Observer is all the headlines at Mac Observer. And all of those same things work over on app.net too. Um, and if you want an invite to app.net, follow us on Twitter. I know that sounds ironic, uh, but I, I've been working with the folks at app.net and I believe we are going to have a lot of promo codes uh, to invite all of you to uh, to app.net with us. So 
so bear with us. I think that's coming. Mm-hmm. Probably, honestly, probably by the time this shows out, we'll, we'll have that put together. I was hoping to have it put together this weekend, but we just started working together on Friday about it. So, yeah, and of course, you can listen to the uh, show being recorded if you like at MacGeekGab.com slash stream. Join us in the chat room. Uh, join us co- contributing to the show notes, all of that good stuff. Do we have anything else to say, John, or is it time to uh, get on with the rest of our Sundays? Yeah, I want to get on with the day. Maybe well, go to the beach. Let's go to the... Okay. All right. I guess I guess today would be a good day for the beach for you. I mean, not not swimming, unless you're part of that polar bear club. Are you part of no. the polar bear club? No. Oh, no. that'd be, that'd be interesting. interesting. We could maybe we could have a Mackeycab New England gathering um, in like January or February, and we could all go swimming together. I won't be able to make it, unfortunately. I'm busy that day, yeah. but but yeah, but that would be fun. All right, uh, let's see. I'd like to thank Michael Johnston for the conversion of this show to AAC. He is the host of the We Have Communicators podcast, and also GetAppler.net. I get Apple.com. Let me say that from uh, Cashfly.com. C A C H E F L Y provides all the bandwidth. Of course, the podcast marketplace includes BB Edit, Text Expander, Gazelle, Squarespace, Crash Plan, Transporter, all that good stuff, all through Backbit Media. Thank you so much for listening, for contributing to Cool Stuff Found, for helping us out in every way that you do. One lasting piece of advice, if, if I may, John, if, if, if it's okay, I'd just like to oh, share please. with them. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I believe listener Val said this earlier in the show, and, and I'll just reiterate it. Don't 